Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks of the world who are embracing freedom and discovering purpose. Need a surge of inspiration? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited, joy-seeking entrepreneur who is on a mission to find like-minded, open-hearted freebirds to share their stories of triumph, struggle, and inspiration. Until you're ready for your own adventure, let's clock out and live vicariously through others who have blazed the trail. And welcome to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today, I'm excited because we get the opportunity to chat with Jen Murphy. Jen is an enrolled member in the Chippewa Cree tribes in Rocky Boy, Montana. She's a self-taught photographer that is passionate about bringing awareness to real issues through the power of imagery. And Jen is the creator of the MMIWproject.org. She's also a chaplain, a wife, and a daughter, or a mother to three daughters. Welcome, Jen. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to hear about all of the exciting things that you're working on. Uh, I love a, I love an entrepreneur, but when I get the chance to talk to advocates, I think that's even better because it's not even for financial gain. It's it's a different kind of purpose, which is exactly why I invited Jen on the show today. Um, our show is a lot about people that live unconventional lives that have some sort of purpose, and you are the definition of that. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a huge problem. <laughs> yes. So, Jen, let's uh, before we talk about the MMIW project, let's go back a little bit in time. Where Where did you grow up? I grew up in Haver. Go Blue Ponies. <laughs> And, uh, you know, my reservation is Rocky Boy, so I spent a lot of time out there with my grandparents out there also, but mainly, yep, right in Haver. Okay. All right. So a little bit of city life, a little bit of reservation. What is, tell me about your reservation. What is, what is it like for listeners that have no understanding at all of indigenous people, of reservations? Well, I mean, it's definitely very rural, um, you know, not a lot of um, resources, which makes it hard, you know, for a tribe with a great health center out there. Um, but, you know, with all reservations, there's just no access to, you know, I think about fresh fruit, fresh food, you know, that sort of thing. You have to travel, you know, to be able to get that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very rural. I mean, there's just not a lot of um, there's no stores besides a little convenience store. Um, so it's, you know, compared to even a small city, it's, uh, really doesn't have a lot going on there except for, you know, there's a college. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, which yeah. really helps our youth. A lot of sports go on there. Um, definitely rural. Okay. Fantastic. And from Haver, you moved on and where did you spend the rest of your, or the majority of your adult life? Missoula. The majority Missoula. of my was in Missoula. Yep. Okay. Just Fantastic. moved this last last year. So. Yeah, because you got happily married, right? So now you're trying out beautiful Butte, Montana. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. So you and I have a background similar, which is that of you know some sort of a law enforcement corrections background. You started in probation and parole. Tell me yep. about that. Probation and parole. Well, I worked on child protection prior to that, and I ended up 
you know, I, I wanted to go full law enforcement, but being a single parent and shift work and different things like that, it ended up transforming into felony probation and parole, which was amazing. I loved it. I did that for, I don't know, seven or eight years and absolutely loved um, what that brought and all the knowledge that came with that. But, you know, you get a lot of, um, a lot of good and bad in that world, as you know. Um, So, you know, it was, it was good. I mean, it was a a huge learning experience, very eye-opening, um, and really just increased my ability to um, communicate with some of the hardest people um, that just needs to listen. I see. Okay. So felony, felony probation parole. So that's a state position with adults? It is a state position, yet people, after they're sentenced and they're out in the community, they're supervised out in the community. Mm-hmm to make sure that they're, you know, being functioning members of society. We also help them, you know, get on their feet, you know, advocated for them for jobs, um, treatment, all those sorts of things. Sure, sure. A, a liaison between between an institutional and release completely off of paper. Yeah, it's a it's an admirable job. I know you guys that there's a, a ton of people that are on paper that are being supervised and very few very few probation parole officers out there. So commendable work. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, a, it was. Oh, go ahead. It was a good time. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I have no complaints whatsoever. Okay. And so from there, you, did you go to college from there? Cause I think, I, I think now you're doing social work or. How did... I mean, my degree, I got my degree um, before that. So my degrees in communication mm. and so, um, yep. Now, and then after that, it was just, it's been this transform into, um, this move to Butte. Um, it turned into going back into social work. Um, Butte also has some limited, um, you know, jobs and availability and it's been great. I mean, I'm, I'm working in hospice, so, you know, okay. it's, it's, man, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, um, area to work in and just being able to be with patients you know in their most vulnerable time in life so it's, sure. it's, mm-hmm. so child protective services probation parole and hospice so you are somebody that is passionate about caring and advocating and um truly one of those people that are giving of your of yourself for the benefit of others <laughs> that's that sound correct i definitely try i mean i think you have to give as much as you can and be authentic in that process to be able to um, make a difference. You know what I mean? Like you can't, sure. you can't do it fakely. <laughs> you have to sure. do it. Sure. So how, how do you deal with the, the darker side of some of that? Is it, does that affect you? Are you able to just embrace the beauty of it? I mean, I think it's a little bit of all of those things. I mean, I think you embrace the beauty of it. I mean, we all eventually have to die. I mean, that's just kind of the, the, that's the truth of the matter, right? So then, you know, being able to, you know, have a strong faith in God. So for me, like, I ground myself, I'm really rooted in faith. Um, and, and then, you know, just, you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in the word self care, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, it's more like grounding and being able to be present in my body, maybe not run from all the anxiety that, you know, sometimes I do have and just being able to be like, 
acknowledging that it's there, reaching out to the supports I have and just knowing that of course you're stressed out. This is this is a stressful job. I mean, you know, like you're dealing with death and you're dealing with patients' families that don't want to lose their loved one. And that's totally normal. I mean, that's I, I think it's just that ability to sit in the mess and be able to not try to fix it, but just like be with them, you know, that that sense of being with and holding their mm. hand and loving them. Um yeah you know, and reading what they need and what they don't need, you know, it's different for everybody. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's something I, Oh, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I, but I also, I know very much the value of your services. I mean, my, my best friend met you through, through hospice care when her husband was passing away. And, and uh, I mean, she talks endlessly about how she doesn't think she could have made it through without you know, the care and the love and the genuine compassion that came from yourself and a couple other employees that were working in the hospice center. So um, the world needs you. The world needs people like you that do that type of work. And it's super commendable. Thank you. So that brings me to more commendable work. Also stuff that maybe there isn't immediate resolution. And a lot of times there's not a lot that you can do, but yet you're still working towards some sort of a solution. And that is your advocacy work with the MMIW project. Tell me about that. What is it and Um, what are you working towards? Well, I'd have to kind of go back a little ways. Um, Sure. June 16th, 2018, Jermaine Charlotte went missing out of Missoula, Montana. She's an enrolled member up in the Salish, um, Kootenai tribes. Um, and when I lived, I lived in Missoula and just, um, having that sense of being able to watch it that closely and watch how things were messed up, how things were, um, you know, they were trying, but I don't think, you know, Missoula had had someone go missing like that. I don't, at least for not for a long time. So everybody was, um, disorganized a bit. Um, things weren't running uniformly. Um, it was hard to watch, you know, and it was hard to watch, um, the family organizing a lot of these searches, um, just the disconnect, um, between, you know, what the jurisdiction was just watching it all kind of go down and it was disheartening um, to watch. And that was in 2018. And I, I feel terrible every time I say this, but like a lot of people, I didn't do anything from 2018 to 2020 because I didn't know what to do besides, you know, join the searches and whatever else, but I just didn't really make any effort to do something extra um, because I just didn't know what to do. And when COVID hit, you know, in 2020, you're just sitting around a lot. All of us were just chilling out, trying to figure out what the, what the deal was, you know? And so I had a lot of time to sit around and think, and I started thinking about Jermaine again and thinking about her family and thinking about like, what could I do to possibly make a difference on this issue? And I just started thinking about, you know, I've always been a photographer, just it's something I really enjoy. It really makes me calm and, you know, just just something I've enjoyed. And I started kind of just dreaming about how I could use a visual representation for this issue. And I started thinking about, you know, the red handprint and 
the red handprint, you know, has become a symbol of, um, you know, a growing movement, I guess would be a better word for um, all the sisters and brothers and uncles and aunties, you know, whose voices are not heard and they're silenced, you know, and I started thinking how I could use that image on people's faces um, that I've seen before, you know, to create change from a grassroots level. Mm -hmm. um, so I just put out um, on social media asking if anybody would be willing to come and get their picture taken with a red handprint. And the first shoot um, I had about, I think there was three or four people that showed up. And I felt a little disheartened. I kind of started having, I was happy they showed up. I mean, they were amazing. But I just kind of started having those colonized thoughts that maybe I wasn't, this was a stupid idea that mm -hmm. um, maybe I wasn't the right person. Maybe, I don't know, just, just started thinking all those things. Like maybe this is super dumb and like nobody's telling me it's a super dumb idea. Sure. Yeah. Until um, I got to this one image um, of this gal um, named Brittany that I had photographed that day. And looking at that image, I just, I literally could feel my ancestors staring at me. It was intense. Like just telling me like, no, you absolutely have to push forward. I don't care if three people show up or if a hundred people show up, you have to keep doing this. And right. I was like, Oh, all right. Well, Okay, well, let's just see what happens. So I waited, and then um, I think it was February of 2021, I put out another thing on social media and just asked if anybody would be willing to come. And, you know, I don't just take their photos. It's They have to be able to articulate why the issue is important to them. Okay. It's not it's not about just the picture. It's about, like, having the right heart for the issue. Sure. So when... I did that second shoot in February, Missoula, at Fort Missoula. 30 minutes passed. Nobody was there. Um, I had a team of people helping with, that were going to help me put the red handprint on the face, you know? Um, and I remember looking at one of the gals and I go, how long do I wait here? Like, this is the second one, you know? And she, she looked at me and she said, as long as it takes. Good and answer. All right. Yeah. You know, I'm cold. I hate the cold. Like, I'm just like, you know, being a baby, just like, how long do I wait? And I would say 30 minutes after that, so many people started coming that like, it was like an hour late, which, you know, I should have known because like, we have Indian time, you know, <laughs> like, we're always, you <laughs> think? And so they start coming and holy cow, the stories that they were telling me. So they'd tell me the story. I'd take them out photograph them and we're all crying like it's not it's not a light issue it's a really heavy issue um and I take the next person out they tell me their story I'd photograph them and so on and so forth and I think I I think I did about um I don't know at least 20 people that day and it was just wow. it was and it was a lot of stories and a lot of crying and I remember the those images though even after that I was like these are great images like I I love the images but also like what am I going to do with them like okay. what, what am I going to do with these images that are powerful 
And I started thinking about, well, what's out there that people have to see that they can't not, that has to be like in their face, you know? And I was like, billboards. Okay. Right. And so then I'm like, well, that's stupid. Again, trying to tell myself that I'm not, I don't have any good ideas or something. And I'm like, I don't know how to get a billboard. So I literally Googled billboard. How do you get a billboard? You know, and Lamar was the first one that popped up. Uh And I called them and I'm like, listen, I, so here I have these photos and I kind of just explained to them like what, you know, what I'm thinking. And they were immediately on board. They thought it was a great idea. They're like, we'll give you discounted billboard space. Like just, we want to help. Um, wow. surprising. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Let's try this. So, um, yeah, put up, started putting up billboards throughout Montana and the response has been 99% very well received. Um, you know, cause I'll, I'll put a picture up, um, and then I'll put a slogan, you know, like my first billboard, it said, how many must go missing until you start to listen. And then I just mm-hmm. put hashtag. MMIW, MMIP. And the hope is, you know, is that they see these images, there's just enough information where they're like, what is this? So then sure. they have to Google it, right? Mm-hmm. And then building awareness, right? That sort of thing. Because um, uh, just a quick question, I'm going to stop you for one second. Because is MMIW your project? I mean, or is this is a national movement or? Tell me yeah. just a little bit about that first. I mean, you know, it's, I don't, I couldn't even tell you who the first person that started it would have been, but I mm-hmm. think it's just from the, from the beginning of time, our, our people have experienced rates of going missing at large rates, right? Like above any other race. So it goes back to colonization. So this isn't a new issue. This is absolutely an issue that we've dealt with since the beginning of time. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um, yeah, so this, I just, I just used, you know, what was already kind of coined as MMIW or MMIP, Murdered Missing Indigenous Women, Murdered Missing Indigenous People, because it's okay. not, just, it's not just women that go missing. There's boys and men and stuff too that go missing. So, okay. um, yeah. Okay. And we're going to hit some of those statistics here. So I just wanted to make sure I, that I was understanding that correctly. So so you've got some billboards that are starting and you said the response was 99% positive. What I'm interested in that 1%, how could it be perceived negatively? Um, well, a couple different ways. Um, the, and of course, you know how you like cling on to the negative comment. You have a hundred thousand, but you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting perspective. But um, like when I would contact businesses, um, healthcare in general, which I thought was really interesting. Um, huh. say, Hey, I would really love to hang these images. If you'd allow me in your place of business or whatever, just to raise awareness on the issue. Hmm. And I got, uh, it's too political. Oh, and I'd say, I don't understand what that means. This is just, this is just awareness. Mm-hmm. And they were never really able to give me a, clarification on that because if anything you know it's a it's a it's a pandemic it's a health issue it's like you know what I mean like people are going missing there's time but they just I don't know some people just were not interested in all um some people don't believe the issue is even real um 
Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. Um, and then, you know, some people, you know, the only other negative was what are, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you helping the families directly? Um, okay. that was a fair question, but that's really not my mission. Um, I mean, I refer them to sources that are already in place, like the snowbird fund, local places that can really dig in and help those families. Um, sure. not that I'm forgetting the families. I work closely with Jermaine's family now, yeah. um, but it's, I don't have the space to hold all of that with working full time. And, you know, this is just a small contribution to the issue. There's so many people that give their whole lives to just be able to help the families. And if I, if I had that luxury to just be able to donate my time, I would, but unfortunately I just don't. So, you know, I, I refer to the people that do have that time and do have that space because I never want to rush a family or make them feel like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's, that's yeah. disrespectful. And sure. so I want to make sure that everything I do is with authenticity. So, yep, I can help refer a family to somebody yep. that directly with them, but that's not, that's not my goal in this awareness project because sure. Once you get the awareness out there, they're going to start asking how they can help the families, right? And so then, then you can like, you know, put them to the organizations and different people that are doing that hard, hard work. I mean, sure. it is devastating to see the work that those people do. I mean, it's just, they give tireless, tirelessly to that, you know, and sure, just, I've, I wish I had that ability to hold all that space, know my limits too you have to you can't pour from an empty cup you know and so yeah well and, and awareness you know advocacy what what you're doing creating awareness creates more hands because if there's people out there that like you said there's people that don't believe that this is an issue and w which that's what we're going to cover next is some of those statistics but you know if you if you bring that awareness and and make somebody aware of it they may be that person that jumps in and then they bring a, a sister and they bring a, you know, an aunt that also gets involved and they may do that, or they may provide financial means that can help, you know, create more of a rescue or search team, whatever, whatever those resources are. It's always about people, resources, time, and you can't be all of that, but you can certainly bring awareness oh, to create more of it. It's fine. Like I, I love educating people about this issue because a lot of people really don't know. And I always tell people, and they're like, I feel so bad. I didn't know about this issue. And I'm like, you don't know until you know, until you know it. But when yeah. you know it, you should do different. You know yes. what I mean? Like beautiful way to help, you know, like, it's fine if you don't know that like everybody has to learn at some point about everything in life. But once you do know, you should be doing something to help. Sure. Absolutely. So Share with me some of those, for those that don't know, some of the statistics on murdered and missing Indigenous people. I'll give you some of them that I have. Um, you know, Indigenous women and girls and boys and, you know, our, our, um, us in general um, are murdered at a 10 times higher rate than any other ethnicity. Um, murder is the third leading cause of death for in Indigenous women. That's um, from the Center of Disease Control. Um, more, more than four out of five indigenous women have experienced violence in their life, um, which is like 84% to 
um, of Indigenous women, which is from the National Institute of Justice report. Um, more than half of Indigenous women have experienced sexual violence. More than half of Indigenous women have been physically abused by an intimate partner. Indigenous women are 1.7 times more likely um, to experience violence. And, um, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, but, you know, like, I think one of the biggest things is when you're looking at these cases, they're like, well, what's the issue? Like, yeah. why, are these, why are these things happening? Well, it's, it's like any other, like, murder you know that's so case specific you know what i mean so domestic violence to human trafficking to poverty you know like to all i mean it just it's just it's just a plethora of reasons why it happens you know and one of the biggest things is you know i i really feel that you know we need to be able to figure out how we get more focused data on the issue you know how to how, to, how do we do that because people are always wanting stats. Give me the stats. Give me the stats. Give me the stats. Well, it's a little convoluted because we don't have all the resources we need, you know. So it's okay. like getting that investigative resource so that we can look at why these things are happening, like, mm -hmm. at such a higher rate, you know. But our reservations don't have that luxury. A lot of them don't, right? And then when they go missing um, in in a city or they're not sure where they went missing. There's all these jurisdictional issues that drive me insane because no one's talking to each other. Therese isn't talking to the city. The city's not talking to the feds. The feds aren't talking, you know, it's just, it's convoluted and messy. Sure. So how do we streamline that communication? You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, quite frankly, I don't care whose jurisdiction it is. I could care less. Like, I. I don't care. What you need to do is you need to work together and figure out how we solve these problems. You know, like put your put your egos aside and figure out how we do this. And I mean, that's just how it is. You know, like sure. and I mean it with the utmost respect. I mean, coming from a background with from law enforcement, my husband's a police officer. I love my law enforcement, but I also know there's mistakes that are made. Sure. And so, like, how do you how do you how do you just be real and say, you know, oh, we dropped the ball and Okay, so it sounds to me like we've got the, a big issue is the jurisdictional issue, which makes sense to me. And for those that don't understand what that is, there's, there's like you said, there's county, there's state, there's feds, and they're all saying, it is my problem, it's not my problem. They have different systems, they have different rules, they have different ways of, I don't have to work with you, I do have to work with you, etc. So it sounds like your project is bringing awareness to the fact that there is an issue and that doesn't necessarily mean that we know what the solution is. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. I mean, I think, I mean, I think the solution is working together and trying to figure out wh what skill set each of us have that we can use to become one system. You know what I mean? Like to be able to, when these, when these women or people go missing, like, how can we streamline response? Because people need to be looked for within that 24-hour mark, 48-hour mm -hmm. mark, or else it just becomes, it becomes messy. And, you know, Jermaine's still missing, you know, and that was in 2018. So, 
you know, yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a, a crime junkie. I love listening to true crime for the sake of it's, you know, it's interesting to me and I, I'm a huge believer. I mean, that's why that, that podcast exists is for awareness to the same thing. Like, Hey, these people are still missing and you're right. It goes cold after, you know, when all the, the initial leads are exhausted after the first couple weeks, it, I mean, it's basically a cold case. And unless somebody comes out and says, you know, something later on it, what, you know, the chances are so much less, but it sounds to me like you're saying that a big part of it is even starting the investigation. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I mean, again, you know, I, like I said, I think law enforcement in particular, even with her case, they did a lot of things right. And a lot of mm-hmm. things, I mean, that's just, that's sure. just, something. and that's probably in every case, but I think it's just being able, at least for like, I think of like um, our indigenous people being able to own it, you know, like yeah. if you make a mistake or you drop the ball, like that's human, but at the same time, how do you own it and then move forward with some sort of trust? Because historically trusting the government for us has not been beneficial. So how do you, how do you, how do you bridge that gap and say things are different now if you're not doing different? right? Like, so how do we inspire people to be better and do better? And, you know, I think that that can happen. I'm a true believer that we can all work together to make this issue um, streamlined, you know what I mean? And decrease those that go missing. So, Wow. That's powerful. I I hadn't thought of that. I mean, obviously the, it, it is obvious the, the history with our government and your people, but I hadn't thought of that as a barrier for asking for assistance in investigation. I, I, that didn't even cross my mind. So you've made me aware of something more. And I've even, I've studied your project. I've read on it. I've obsessively looked at things. And that was something I wasn't aware of after all of my reading. So it's good. good Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, okay. Where are you at with your project now? You've got how many billboards do you have? What's next for that project? They rotate. Um, so, you know, um, I raised money, you know, this is, this is a project that's only self-sustaining by people that, um, donate, you know, we're a, I'm a charter under a nonprofit. I'm not a nonprofit, but you can write it off because I'm a charter under this nonprofit under my chaplaincy. Um, so, billboards go up they're up um i have one here in butte there's one in missoula right now those will go down in january until i get the the next it's only 100 bucks like that's starbucks for a month you know what i mean 100 bucks 200 lamar's so awesome they knocked it down to 100 a month so it's just like anybody that is willing to donate i can i can get these billboards up and keep them up instead of them having to come down you know what i mean because it's just a month and then if you don't have any more 100 bucks well they're coming down you know what i mean um lamar did a um a national digital campaign for me not too long ago um and it was in a bunch of states throughout the united states which was super cool um i'd like to get hard billboards um in different states you know especially you know we have 574 tribes in the united states so how do we get those those billboards up around there um and i'd love to move into canada you know um you know and i mean 
I use these images to to facilitate trainings on resiliency. Like this, this is just like spider webbed into all these different things. Um, being able to um, be an executive producer on a small film, um, a short film in Los Angeles, um, you know, and that's going around to film festivals right now. Um, wow. Different ways that these images have um, helped create awareness and change. Um, I systemically sit on um, a board, um, it's a commission, it's called the Domestic Violence Fatality Review Commission. So we dissect um, homicides um, from the time both the perpetrator and the victim were born until they die. Um, so, you know, just being able to do that. So it's like started grassroots and it transformed into this like systemic change and, um, you know, just branching out into more and more awareness. And I never know where it's going to come or where it's going to go. Like, it's like nuts how when you're doing something that has nothing to do with you, you're just the vessel doing it right like that's when doors start to open you know what i mean it's it's not about me i could care less about me like it's about if if my voice brings brings awareness to those families that have lost their loved ones and then it, you know and it makes me emotional you know because it's like this isn't this isn't something that's, uh, they're dying, you know? And these these families have no answers, you know? They're left with just, I mean, people should be looking for these women and people as if it was their own kid, you know? Like, I can't even imagine if one of my three daughters went missing. I can't, I, 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 I have to disassociate before I even get there fully in my mind because you know they're they're yours you know what I mean and that's how I view all these women and these girls and these men that go missing it's just like that's someone's baby yeah. and we're not asking for special treatment we're just asking for the same treatment you look at when Gabby Petito went missing how uniformed and how much coverage there was and there was native people that went missing in the same area at that time and not even a mention of their names you know what i mean i mean it's just it's it's sick and it's and i don't understand why everybody can't be looked for the same that's that's all just look for them the same yes we can get better no one wants to see anybody go missing but don't segregate because of the color of our skin or that we're natives you know what i mean like there should be no difference that's that's it you know like how is this even having to be a topic discussed, you know, like it's for humans, just like everybody else, you know? Wow. Wow. That is, that is powerful. And I imagine anybody that's listening right now is wondering, you know, I, I'm sitting here myself, I'm like, oh gosh, how can I help? Like feeling guilt, like, okay, what can I do now that I know you've got to know better? So how can, how can we help? What can we do? Any two things, three things, anything. Well, I mean, you know, um, the Snowbird Fund, um, that's an organization here in Montana that goes, I mean, the, anything you donate to them goes directly to the families. Um, directly. Um, it's, you know, somebody goes missing, they, they get them the money right away to help search efforts. Two, you know, um, the Billboard Project, you can go to my website, www.mmiwproject.org. 
and there's a way to donate there. Um, and then, you know, no matter where you're at, there's a tribe somewhere near you. You know what I mean? Like, you can go to the tribe, you can get a hold of your native friends and say, hey, you know, I, I heard about this issue. What can I do to help locally? You know what I mean? Like, there's searches going on for these these women, girls, boys. Like, go on a search. It's the worst experience and saddest experience of your life. I've done many with Jermaine's family. Um, grid searching a mountain uh, with a family is devastating. Um, it's it's hard. It's not hardly anyone shows up because it's not fun. It's hard, <laughs> but I know for a fact, like anybody that could go out and help with searches, my God, that's that's huge. You know what I mean? And there's someone near you that knows how to get in touch with you know local search parties and local search um search and rescue or whatever it's just a matter of asking around so i guess that would be the three things okay okay and we'll make sure that we put links to those in the show notes so people can go make your donation um like jen said a hundred dollars that's a month of starbucks i mean it's that's nothing it's the holidays be giving go go do a donation snowbird fund or directly to jen's uh, nonprofit so that well it's charter of a nonprofit just to be specific so that she can continue to bring awareness and educate more and create more hands to do the work and to bring the awareness to this um I wouldn't say it's a hidden cause a hidden movement because of people like you it's definitely out there but I appreciate you bringing uh, you know details to what it means because I for years have seen the red hand and I'm like what does it mean like, you know, and so you, you Google and, and then you find it, but um, people like you to really bring an emotional and individual, a personal explanation to it sure makes it a lot more meaningful as well. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And I mean, like I said, I, it's not about me, but I think, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where you hear a type of person that either watches people do it mm-hmm. or you do it. And I'm definitely a doer. That's just how I'm genetically built. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm driven because I'm, I'm a strong personality. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not a sit back and watch kind of girl. And another thing I realized too, and I I was watching, I can't remember what I was watching, some sort of either a YouTube video or a podcast, but this gal says, she says, and it it, is when you get a critic, you know, your heart hurts a little because you're trying so hard to do everything right. And they, and she said, if they're not playing in your arena, if they're not helping in your arena, their voice and their negativity means nothing. And I thought, oh my God, that is so true. What are you doing to help the issue? If you're not doing anything, I don't, I I no longer hold space for any of that. Like, you know, I'm always open to change. I'm always open to ideas. I'm always open to all those things. But if you're just there to criticize, no, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. no, if you're not doing anything on this issue, I don't want to hear any of the negativity. It's just not yeah. something. That's fair. I really totally appreciate fair. taking the time to even care about the issue and having me here and just, you know, being able to um, get on another platform for awareness. Yeah. On this issue. Absolutely. So- and yeah, if, uh, 
If this has been meaningful in any way to anybody that's listening, please share it. That's another way. That's why we do these type of podcasts to bring awareness and to help Jen to spread the awareness. So share it with anybody that, and ask them to continue to share it as well so that we can pass that on. Um, last couple questions I had for you, where, um, you, you talked about a, a small film. Tell me about that. What was, what was uh, yeah. the uh, gist? Well, the funny, the funny part was, is they were here in Butte, they were filming that 1929 or 1889. There you go. <laughs> 1923. I got you. <laughs> but, um, but they were here filming and um, one of them saw the billboards. And You're so, and so then she called and asked me about it. And then later um, down the line, about two months later, she called and asked if I would be the executive producer on the film. And I flew out to LA and um, was there for quite a few days. Um, and we shot the film from start to finish. And it was so exhausting and so fun and so scary because, you know, you just want to do everything in a good way. Um, but it was wonderful. So we just had our first premiere in LA. Um, this just this last month. And then um, I had to Salt Lake for another premiere um, at the end of January. So it's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool something that you know you're just like never see yourself ever doing or being able to part of and it's been it's been really really neat and how about a pat on the back like um it's proof that this works that it brings awareness because you've brought it from butte from well from missoula to butte to la to where god only knows where this is going to end up so your your project is working and second of all, for you to sit and think in the beginning when those first, you know, you only got three, only three people that showed up. Is this a stupid idea? Like, let that be proof that <laughs> you were wrong. It's not a stupid idea. It's, it's, it's been a journey and it's, I think it's going to just be a wild journey um, through, through the awareness, but I think it's, it's well worth any of the time. And this is all on my free time. It's not like I'm getting paid for any of this. So it's because I believe in this awareness. You know, I believe in this mission and I'll never stop. So. Fantastic. Well, Jen, thank you so, so very much for your time and your energy here, as well as your efforts out in the world, all the good that you're doing, taking care of loved ones as they lose, um, as they lose somebody in the hospice world probation and parole, helping offenders and their families and the community, um, all the way back to child protective services. I mean, you're a, you're a servant of the world and we need more people like you. So thank you for your time, your effort. And one more time, where can they find you so they can make a donation? www.mmiwproject.org. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more on this guest, simply check the show notes. Like what you hear? Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Together, we can grow and inspire.